Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 19, Feet of Clay. Yeah, we are. Uh-huh. One of the very best ones, oh, would you say? Oh, I love this one. Top five, maybe? This is, I think, my favorite watch book. Second, really? second favorite. I was going to say. Second yeah. to most favorite. It's both our second favorite watch yeah. book, and our top favorites are different. Yeah. It's very, 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 very good. It's one of my all-time favorite just books. Uh, let me tell you what happens in it. Yeah. In in our uh, ever-increasing uh, competition to keep the plots plot summaries short, but also accurate. That I am still winning. You are definitely winning. I, come on. In a brevity contest? <laughs> Gee, Al's losing a brevity. No kidding. Anyone who knows me would know that. Uh, the City Watch investigates a plot against the patrician's life while golems begin to run amok. Amok, 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 amok. Yes. It's like, not for you. Nope, that's okay. It's like duck amok or spock amok. As it is known. Yes. Uh, but yes, very, very, very good. And uh, golems, in this case, they've, they've come up briefly before. Mm-hmm. But big part of this book. And they'll come up again. Yes. Yeah. Are actually, are, is it a Jewish myth? Yes. That they're from yes. mostly? Uh, uh, men made out of clay mm-hmm. who basically, in for all intents and purposes, are robots right. in, in this fantasy story. They're magic, but they work like robots. Right. You put commandments in their head and they follow them. Yep, and they just, they'll just work ceaselessly. Yes. Sometimes, you know, to, like, the, the, the book is full of stories that everyone has heard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard of a golem that did this. I heard of a golem that worked itself right. dug and dug until it hit the river and then just went underwater or whatever. So, yeah, but there's there's lots more going on in it than that. This is sort of the full vision of the watch. Mm-hmm. Like, the watch has been gradually building. We started with just the three and then Carrot showed up and then we added a troll and a dwarf and now it's like... It's got, like, Angua's there permanently, and we've got lots of dwarfs and lots of trolls, and Detritus appeared briefly in the, the previous, in the in the witch book. Right. When they came to the city as as the sergeant, but now we see he is, he is a sergeant, and everything's great. And and it's going to continue on like this. Yes. Like we're going to get more and more characters yes, everything, joining the watch. Everything in the city is, is coming together, and a lot of that has to do with the watch. Also, every time Vimes gets mad at fancy people, he hires on more people in the watch that are, like, um, oppressed. Yes. Like, uh, someone said to him, like, well, what's next, zombies? And he turns around and he goes, go hire some zombies. Yep. And he lists off all yep. the all the mythical creatures except except vampires. That's where he draws the line. Will there be a vampire in the watch? We will find out. Several more watch books to go. You'll find out. Yes, there will be. There's everything. Yes, that's one of the reasons it's so good. Uh, one of the great subplots mm-hmm. is uh, Cheery Little Bottom, the the dwarf. Yes, so this is um, something that I and you have both read. We're not, again, we are super not experts in this yeah. subject. Yeah. I want to get that out on the table right now. Yep. But um, uh, we've read about people uh, talking about uh, ch- uh, Cheery or Cherry uh, Little Bottom as being a trans story. Mm. Um, because... I don't. I don't see it that way personally, but I'm not going to tell anyone what to interpret it as. No, but it's that sort of um, that is a, a common reading right. for the story, and I mm-hmm. kind of feel it a little bit like she. Okay. Um, all dwarves are dudes. Yeah, they all present as dudes, yeah. and they all dress and and just outwardly mm-hmm. look the same, and they all use the pronoun he, no matter what. Yep, 
and um, there's a um, Sherry and uh, Angua have a conversation about it, and uh, she says, "Well, yeah, of course we know that there are um, dwarves who happen to be female. That's how we continue having more dwarves. Right? But everyone just has to act like a dude." And Angua says, "Yeah, I, I get that. It's the same." In, the, in watch. the watch, yeah, like it's fine That's if very it's, good. it's fine if you're a woman as long as you're a lad, right? Um, but uh, Sherry um, decides to that she wants to present female, yeah, and Angua helps her with that. I love I love their friendship, yep. and I love her sort of modeling after Angua and looking to her for some mm-hmm. confidence and all of that. That's all very good. And I was sort of thinking about it because sci-fi and fantasy do this thing where they sometimes take the teeth out of representation by just saying like, oh, no, it's an alien, and all the aliens mm-hmm. are like this, mm-hmm. um, rather than saying someone is just gay or someone is trans or whatever. Right. Um, and I was sort of thinking about that in terms of this, but on the same uh, like on, on the same conversation, early on in the books, when people were referring to Sherry as he, mm-hmm. it gave me that sort of like, unpleasant feeling like one of my one of my buds gets misgendered <laughs> yeah, like, oh, well, no stop calling her that that's not what she's called shut up it's because this character pretty early in this book and then through several of the other watch books presents as female and yeah. you you were used to four or five books of of she yeah but every time someone called sherry a he i was like no shut up that's mm-hmm. not what she is but the you shut your mouth the way it unfolded was so good yep because, really really good because the character showed up as a he, as they all did, mm-hmm. and realized and started like a little bit of lipstick, a mm-hmm. little bit of this, a little bit of that, a skirt, and then by the end, like taking Angua's old dressers and um, mm-hmm. and and uh, altering them, and other female dwarfs are like, wait, someone else is doing what I've always wanted to That's do, but have thing. been terrified to do, yep. and so there's definitely an allegory for coming out in some capacity, yeah. maybe maybe not trans again. I don't want to. I don't want to tell anyone how to feel or even what's there but i i think knowing what i know about the author i don't know that he intended to put that there that doesn't mean it's not there no like it's just one of those things that i think it it does sort of overlay itself over yeah. that so kind of like it makes sense but i think he was trying to tell a nice story about feminism about mm. about like being a woman and being allowed to be a woman no matter where you are and choosing what that means and all of that stuff and i like that a lot um i like that uh, she is still a dwarf. Like yes. she's not going to get rid of her iron helmet or anything, or her beard, or her beard, because uh-huh. she's a dwarf. She's just yeah. A there's certain cultural dwarf. things that yeah. have nothing to do with gender. Yeah, and I also like uh, Carrot's response to it because Carrot's a dwarf. Yeah, he was raised a dwarf, and his first thing is like, ah, uh, what? what? No, like a Victorian uh, seeing an yeah. ankle, he just freaks the fuck like, out. Well, you can't. She, 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 she's. She, well, he, he says he, he can't. He, he can't. He's yeah. wearing a. He's he's wearing a kilt, he says. Yeah. And and Sherry's like, no, it's a skirt. It's a mini skirt, yeah. Well, I can see see his knees. Yeah, but by the end, he's like, and uh, here she comes. Mm -hmm. Hello. And Angua helps with that because uh, Carrot's going on and on about this. And she actually says, um, Carrot, I think there's something wrong with your head. And he's mm-hmm. like, what? And she's like, I think it's stuck up your bum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, and again, I like I like their relationship a lot. Hers and... and mm-hmm. I call her Cheery because, yeah, there is the change to mm-hmm. Sherry in this. And then mm-hmm. in subsequent books, it goes back to Cheery. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I understand in this book 
and I would always respect a person to to call them what they want to be called. But but the book defaults back, like the the series defaults back to Cheery. I don't remember because I think in some books it is. Uh, I think in the next one it's it's something like that, and then in ones after that it yeah. goes back to Cheery. And it's it's also possible because I only read these via the, the yeah. audiobooks that the narrator reads a word written similarly as cheery and but the, that's I just how I think say it. it's like I think it's uh, cherry like through like through the later books, but I don't remember. Um, but uh, also, I forgot because of all of this. Mm-hmm. I did remember all of this, and I liked it, and I remembered because the other thing is that's not all the character is. Mm-hmm. The point is. Vimes is modernizing the watch and he has brought on a forensics. Mm-hmm. He has brought on, uh, you know, in, in, in this fantasy world as an alchemist, but she knows how chemicals work. She knows like the patrician's being poisoned and it's up to her to test all the things and, and figure Vimes, it out. And Vimes says, well, if we find some like white dirt, how do we know what kind of a white dirt it is? We right. don't. No. And <laughs> so he very smartly hires on a, an alchemist. There's a John Mulaney bit about early policing <laughs> yes. uh, where someone's written something in blood and is like, ew, clean this up. It's getting in the way of my hunches. Yeah, we can't yeah. find any evidence with all this blood well, in the way. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of that. Yeah, it was very good. But but she's also very good at that mm-hmm. and not particularly good. That's part of what I think originally makes her realize like, oh, I don't like quaffing and uh-huh. I don't want to get into a fight in a dwarf bar and she realizes she, she she's a scientist but also she I think identifies that with more traditional femininity like the, the softer things and like look I'm I'm a I'm a scholar I study things and that you know obviously women don't like can be like angua can be tough yeah but she's like this is this is who I am and I think that's all tied up in there too but I don't know I liked adding someone to the watch that isn't Thick. Isn't like a and also isn't a tough guy. Yeah, and yeah. isn't stupid because they're all pretty stupid. Pretty stupid. Vimes mm-hmm. is, you know, determined. Plotting. Yes, that's that's a word yep. that comes up a few times. And and carrot too in his own way. And Angua's not exactly dumb, but th- then that's it. Everyone else is pretty stupid. Carrot thinks, but he's a slow thinker. But he always gets there, mm-hmm. and and I like that. And there's some good carrot stuff in here, although. As much as I liked Angua's uh, whole thing with with Cheery, her her main thing, yep. like her her plot in this is actually my bad thing. Yeah, she's got this weird, and it's really because I know I've read further ahead. Mm-hmm. It's set up for a later book. She, uh, it turns out she's from a, a, a highborn family in in Uberwald, mm-hmm. which is like Transylvania and Discworld, right. basically. It's a bit of Germany, a bit of Russia, but it's essentially fictional Transylvania with all the Draculas and and Yeah, that's where the werewolves werewolves live and all the Igors and the Frankensteins, all that. Right, exactly. Um and uh she's a a, from a particularly like a noble family and and her father is angry she went to the city and wants her to come home and that's it. It's just her sort of waffling about going home and leaving Carrot and then she doesn't and that's all that comes of it and it's kind of nothing. And it's it is set up for a later book, but you can't really sort of just do that. No, There's and I don't be think some connection to this book. That's the thing. I don't think he was necessarily. I don't. He didn't do a lot of that. He didn't do a lot of 
later on I know this will pay off in a later book. Well, it I feels more see like that in movies sometimes, and it's like, oh, well, yeah. that's fine, but you have to connect it to this movie and this book. I don't again. Just, I don't know that yeah. he intended to do that, but may, maybe it it had even if he didn't. That's it, how it feels. It felt more like, and it comes up in Fifth Elephant. Mm-hmm. It feels more like he's like, oh yeah, I could do more with that, yeah. and he comes back to it because a lot of times that's how he operates. Is Oh, yeah, this was a good idea. Let me try this again. But again, we're stuck with Angua, who only, the only sort of real good character moment she has is with other characters. Yeah. Like, she, her relationship with Carrot can be interesting, and her yeah. relationship with Sherry can be interesting, but there's nothing, but her by herself, mm-hmm. again, nothing. She's I an disagree. Em- she's an empty husk. I disagree. I have I disagreed with you last time you said that, and I still disagree. There's all the werewolf stuff. There's all the fighting that and and trying to pass as human and trying to, you know, all of that. And yeah, there's just not that. Like there's there's no real. It's because sort of werewolves there. are old hat to you is why. Is <laughs> because that's Any just hat. yeah exactly. I don't know. I liked it, but but her plot, her main thing. Yeah, it was pretty. I nothing. thought was pretty boring. Yeah. Given that most of the Watchmen had something like Detritus had a tiny sliver, but it was something. Mm-hmm. He's fighting troll drugs mm-hmm. on the street and. That wasn't really a plot. It was just what he's up to. But... Also, he's learning how to detect her. Yes. Um, he's learning what clues are and like yes. uh, learning and how to be a policeman. Five steps behind everyone yeah. else. The poor dope. It's weird that he doesn't have his helmet anymore. Or maybe he does and we just don't hear about it. Maybe, but he shouldn't be as dumb as he... Like, I get it. He's less dumb than he started out. Like, in, in uh, moving so. pictures, he's significantly less dumb. I guess. I mean, the whole book series is less dumb than from moving pictures. Man, I hated moving pictures so yeah. much. But we just did the photos for that. Yeah. And Those we were had fun good. with that. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I don't know. I just, I, Detritus was like average intelligence with the helmet. And I get for comedic purposes, you want him to be the big lumbering dumb guy. But, you know, it's weird. You set up a specific... Like, that's that's his legacy from Cuddy. That's all he's got left. It's, like it's I say, weird that I it's not there anymore. Sort of, I just sort of headcanoned that he does have it, and that's why he's able to sort of function. Mm, I, I, he's still pretty dumb. But... Uh, but functioning dumb. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but there's there's lots of... Like, like, we're talking about all the... Like, I'm kind of picking at the smaller mm-hmm. things, because there's a lot of big themes in this. This is, like... Is this the first big appearance, like, of Vimes' whole anti-king thing? Like, I know it was in the previous one, but here, way more. I think we mentioned his king-killing ancestor in the previous one. And but here it's fleshed out way more. But here it's a lot. We talk a lot more about um, yeah, Suffer Not, not Injustice, Injustice Vimes, Vimes yeah. uh, who they call Stoneface. And now they also call, yes. like, Sam Vimes, Stoneface. Yeah. Um, and he's the one who killed the evil king mm-hmm. um, and took over the city and yeah, then, Lorenzo the Wise or the Kind. Or something yeah, Lorenzo like the Kind. Yeah, who is like a hideous murder monster. Uh huh. Um, and then um, Stoneface took over the city, and the revolution. Well, actually, failed. I have a I have a quote. For oh that. well, then do your quote. Because this isn't my quote. Quote. It's just one. It just do it though. One thing that I highlighted. Yeah. Because there's a there's a very good uh, there's a very good contrast between this and. Uh, something that happens later. Uh, and I am stalling because there are so many things that we have both highlighted Yo. in this book. Ah, here we go. He said to people, you're free. And they said, hooray. And then he showed them what freedom costs and they called him a tyrant. And as soon as he'd been betrayed, they milled around a bit like barn bred chickens who'd seen the big world outside for the first time. And they went back into the warm and shut the door. Mm-hmm. 
and and, and it reminds me because later uh, when Dorfel is free, he try he goes back to the slaughterhouse where he lived or worked mm-hmm. and and frees all the animals and they just go right back to be slaughtered. Yeah, and he breaks the treadmill that the other uh-huh. golems are working on, and That's they just rebuild a, it. I got that ah, highlighted here as very well. well. I wish to ask you a question," said the golem. Yes. I smashed the treadmill, but the golems repaired it. Why? I let the animals go, but they just milled around stupidly. Some of them even went back to the slaughter pens. Why? Welcome to the world, Constable Dorfel. Is it frightening to be free? You said it. You say to people, throw off your chains, and they make new chains for themselves. Seems to be a major human activity, yes. Dorfel rumbled as he thought about this. Yes, he said eventually. I can see why. Freedom is like having the top of your head opened up. Yeah, and I love the way those two things, like, dovetail. Yeah. Like, Vimes thinks about this a lot, too, about how kings suck, but also how everybody wants them and how they're so stupid. It's a lot like the way Granny thinks. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's so dumb. Why do I help them? They don't deserve this, but yes, they do. He also talks about, um, and I think this is in a previous book, that people have, like, a crown-shaped hole in their brains where yep. they feel like they need kings, mm-hmm. and they they don't but he feels like they feel like they do well and the and the main uh plot this mm-hmm. time is so there's a there's a uh, a dude who handles the coat of arms the mm-hmm. coats of arms mm-hmm. like the the guy who who keeps track of all the heraldry and he's a vampire and he's basically basically over a long period of time breeding people like cattle mm-hmm. and this is actually the first um time we have this where a vampire doesn't drink blood instead mm-hmm. they uh, put that bloodlust into a hobby. Yep. And later on, we see vampires do that so that they can live in society. Yep. But he's doing it for evil. Yes. Yeah. And um, he's called Dragon uh, King of Arms, and he's the perfect villain for Vimes. He's everything Vimes hates. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a vampire, yep. which Vimes hates because they take people's will away yep. and they think they're better than everyone. Uh, he believes in kings. Uh, his his plot is to poison the patrician to the point where he's seen as ineffective, but not actually kill him. Because then there would be chaos. Yeah, and then he would step down and be sort of an elder statesman, mm-hmm. but no one would take him seriously anymore. And to uh, to instead of uh, Carrot, who uh, he doesn't want to be king because he's involved with Angua and vampires and werewolves man also um he's worried that they're going to have puppies yeah and there's well, a great there's a great line about i don't think he's literally worried about no, that i think but, he was just being insulting no but he says uh it would be terrible to have a king that you actually had to call rex yeah that was some good work uh jokes i just took that to be the usual vampire werewolf thing like fuck that it's a dog a dog but isn't gonna be our king you're also talking about someone who's breeding for gross purity well yes and so Having a non-human come in would right. wreck up all the gross purity. But the but the fact that he he want like he wants a king, and so instead of carrot, he decides to prop up Nobby mm-hmm. with this fake well, nobility. May or may not be fake. It's ambiguous. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty definitively said because uh, Vime says, "Was he even noble?" And, well, that's what the literature mm-hmm. says, which implies he faked the literature. I think. But there's also a special ring. And also, uh, Nobby says later on, if this is what caused all this trouble, I'm glad I didn't show them the rest of the stuff. Yeah, but he also said we've nicked things from everyone. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess it could be ambiguous, but it, it, the point is it doesn't matter. Nobby's not the king. Come no. on. And and there's some good comedy milked from him not fitting into upper crust. And 
I think that's handled very well because it, we never spend a long time with it. It's always quick scenes it of about half a page. It could be so tedious. It could be. Nobby is not a rich enough character to carry a lot of scenes. No. Uh, but these. But we always cut back yeah. in quick vignettes between the major action. Yep, and that's actually funny and sort of a nice palate cleanser between like a more dramatic sequence. Yeah, and if you got someone chasing someone down an alley and you yeah. need to 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 wait a minute for the next thing to happen, it's a good thing to cut away to. And also. Nobby's been very much tell don't show to mm-hmm. this point. The the narration always tells us how like gross, gross and scummy he is, and how like you can't trust him. Mm-hmm. But you don't see much of that actually why everyone says that about him, and it's nice to actually get it in. Oh, this is why because when you put him around people, he's just awful. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, to come back to my point about Dragon Coat of Arm or uh, King of Arms, he's just he's he he. He's everything Vimes hates. He he believes in kings. He doesn't care about common people. He thinks mm-hmm. he's more clever than everyone else. Vimes just can't stand him. And I love it. And there's actually um a, quite a good bit when they bring up not to Nobby that he's going to be king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want him <laughs> to be king. Uh, and Nobby says, king? He's wheezed. And have Mr. Vimes cut me head off? All the brandy you can drink, my lord, said a wheedling voice. It's no good if you ain't got a throat for it to go down. What are you talking about? Mr. Vimes would go spare. He'd go spare. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard that expression until these books, but he says that a lot because he's so worried. Like, there are people, the most important people in the city telling him he mm-hmm. could be king, and his only thought is Mr. Vimes is going to go spare. Yeah, he's going to go absolutely berser on him. Yep. But I just, I love vimes's whole no mm-hmm. kings thing in fact this is this is one of my quotes mm-hmm. i have i have a few we have a lot of quotes this book's really good it's, it's one of the best uh no more kings vime had difficulty in articulating why this should be so why the concept resonated in his very bones after all a good many of the patricians has been had been as bad as any king but they were sort of bad on equal terms what set vime's teeth on edge was the idea that kings were a different kind of human being a higher life form somehow magical but Huh, there was some magic at that. Ankh-Morpork Pork still seemed to be littered with royal this and royal that, little old men who got paid a few pence a week to do few, a few meaningless chores, like master of the king's keys or keeper of the crown jewels, even though there were no keys and certainly no jewels. Royalty was like dandelions. No matter how many heads you chopped off, the roots were still there <laughs> underground waiting to spring up again. It seemed to be a chronic disease. It was as if even the most intelligent person had this little blank spot in their heads where someone had written, Kings, what a good idea. Whoever had created humanity had left in a major design flaw. It was its tendency to bend at the knees. Oh, so good. Yeah, and that's why, again, this... And the guy tries to destroy him mm-hmm. by planting a, a bottle of whiskey mm-hmm. in his in his desk. And Vimes is now a recovering alcoholic. And this got me more than any other in like individual act of cruelty to anyone mm-hmm. in the story because he's an addict man he's a strong person trying to change and you're oh, oh. Doing it there are there's sort of different types of evil and different types of villains you yes. read about and the laughing maniacal like super super evil guys usually yeah. not that like you can sort of like well that's fictional whatever yeah but you get these characters sometimes that are that are oh, terry pratchett books oh, for sure too real too real he's very good at it and yeah. and my good thing is Vime's complete righteous anger at, like, just, there's a point in several watchbooks. We've seen mm-hmm. it in the previous one, and it's in this one, where he, like, he's described as manic. Mm-hmm. He just, this is it. I am, like, I know I've put all the pieces together. I'm done. 
I've had it with these people. I don't care. And he just, he runs around like pissing everyone off and fixing everything. And he's got this thing about, um, uh, sort of collateral damage trying to, Mm -hmm. uh, poison, uh, the patrician is, uh, the family of a, uh, servant from the palace. Yeah. Mrs. Easy and Mildred Easy. Yes. Um, Mildred takes candles home, uh, because they're perks. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the candles are the things that have been poisoned, that have been poisoning the patrician. Right. And so, um, Mildred's mom and a young, they're a young kid. 14 month old uh, baby. Uh, are in the house and both of them die because of the arsenic in the candles. Yeah. Um, and the guy who actually planted the candles asks, well, are these guys important? Yeah. Like, oh! No, and this is, this is one of, there's a few bits, but this is one of them. Um, that it's something we're not seeing, damn it. People are dead, Captain. Mrs. Easy's dead. Who, sir? You've never heard of her? Can't say that I have, sir. What did she used to do? Do? Nothing, I suppose. She just brought up nine kids in a couple of rooms you couldn't stretch out in, and she sewed shirts for tuppence an hour, every hour the bloody gods sent. And all she did was work to keep herself to herself, and she is dead, Captain. And so's her grandson, aged 14 months, because her granddaughter took some grub from the palace. A bit of a treat for them. And do you know what? Mildred thought I was going to arrest her for theft. At the damn funeral, for God's sake. Vime's fists open and closed, his knuckles showing white. It's murder now. Not assassination, not politics. It's murder. Uh-huh. Oh. oh, so good. There's, and he, okay. um, Vimes actually knows the place where... where it's where he grew yeah, up. It's uh, Cockbill Street, and mm-hmm. it's where uh, the working poor live. So this mm-hmm. is people who can just sort of barely get by, and if they had one bad week, that'd be it. But, but they're also too proud to acknowledge that they're poor, and mm-hmm. there's certain things they just feel like obligated to do even though they can't afford it never too never too poor for soap that kind of uh yeah kind of thinking like they wouldn't reduce themselves to whitewash Mm -hmm. they just keep using cheap paint Mm -hmm. on things stuff like that and just the descriptions of the the working poor Mm -hmm. is very good he's got a very good sense of like the, the whole class thing and vimes never like forgets where he came from you know no, that's like, that's where that's where vimes is from he yes. knows what it's what it's like yeah and that's what i love about him so much is like every time he gets promoted further and further he is now like commander sir samuel vimes mm-hmm. and he's, and he's still, also the richest man in the city yeah he married yeah. the richest woman which now makes him the richest man and he still does not give a fuck about any of that and i love that so much ah oh, i love him yep my favorite character so good yep uh, so what's your good thing? Um, we haven't talked too much about the golems Oh, yes. Yet. That's a whole um, big chunk of the book, obviously. So what goes down with the golems is they have, they're sentient. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the robots who have gained mm-hmm. sentience, except the implication here is that they've been sentient the whole time. Could be. Um, and they uh, are treated like slaves mm-hmm. because they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decide that the way to get to become free is to have a king who will lead them. Yeah, and they all take a bit of each of their clay and, mm-hmm. and combine it into this one, like, clay of their clay, they say. Mm-hmm. And so they make their king, like, they may, and they're, um, they're sort of, like, uh, they're not graceful. Like, they're right. meant to be big sort of heaps. Yeah. Um, and they make their king, uh, like, beautiful. Yeah, they, the ideal of, yeah. a, of a, a human. Mm-hmm. And, um... So Dorful is one of the golems that does this, and he's sort of our uh, like our yeah our POV character. character yeah, um, and he's 
awesome. Yes. Um, he won't betray his like their their king mm-hmm. to to the cops. Uh, he is racked with guilt over what they've done because the uh the king they make is absolutely completely bonkers crazy. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's weird because there there's there's a bit of RoboCop in mm-hmm. this. And one of them is that bit near the end of Robo, like in the third act of RoboCop where they fill his mind with all the all the different directives mm-hmm. to the point where he goes crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what happens to their king. Yeah, they uh, the golems try and decide what words to put in his head because you put words mm-hmm. inside their heads to make them alive yeah and it has to be from a priest yeah but yeah uh and so instead of putting one commandment or one bit of script they put all of their hopes and dreams mm-hmm. into all of, all of them so his head is full mm-hmm. of and almost certainly yeah. those some of those contradict with other yep. things and yeah and so it, their expectations for him drive the king mad and it's a wonderful echo of the whole king thing yep um and so dorful is just like He's devastated because the king golem starts uh, killing the priests and people who mm-hmm. knew about him. Uh, and he goes out and the, the priests were helping the golems do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just his whole story just it's, it's heartbreaking um, when the golems start going. Like when people start getting worried that the golems are killing people and that there's like a monster golem out there, Mm -hmm. uh, they start going out and smashing the golems up. And when they go to smash up Dorful, he holds up a sign that says, I am worth $530. Mm -hmm. Like that's why they shouldn't kill him because of his worth. He knows I'm more pork. Yeah, and oh. what I what I love is the way he's freed mm-hmm. is Carrot, who again mm-hmm. not the brightest one, but figures it out, he's noodles been it through. About and we see Carrot thinking about how golems work. This I whole love time. I love the logic of mm-hmm. okay, so if he's a thing, he didn't commit murder. Nothing, nothing thing, like there's no crime. A hammer can't commit murder. And if he did commit murder, that means he's alive and he has rights. So either so way, which is it? Yeah, exactly. And nobody can answer that. And what he does is. Uh, he makes uh, Dorfel's original owner sell him to him. Mm-hmm. So Carrot has the receipt that says, uh, Dorfel is now your property. And that's the way it's worded. Uh, he is no longer has anything to do with me. And Carrot opens up his head and pops that inside. Yep. Dorfel is now your property is inside Dorfel's head. Yep. So Dorfel is Dorfel's property. Very good. And Dorfel's sort of... Um coming to terms with that is such a good sequence oh, because there's there's so many good like reflections like on on just existence on and... what is freedom and what is individuality and uh-huh. and what is sentience yes. and it's painful but carrot reaches out to take the words out because mm-hmm. he thinks maybe he made a mistake and dorful won't let him because even though it's painful he'd rather be free and mm-hmm. his own golem and this is actually my my official quote mm-hmm. Is because uh, because the the big face like face off at the end with the vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Vimes. So okay, the the candle wicks have been soaked in arsenic yep. to slowly poison the patrician. Uh, so Vimes turns it around on uh, uh, Dragon King of Arms and soaks some candle wicks in holy water. Yeah, and garlic, I think. No, he says garlic. You would have smelled garlic. Oh right. So this you would not have been able to detect. So there's been like a fine mist of, of holy water this whole time I've been talking to you. <laughs> so you can't turn into whatever and fly away and you can't attack me. Uh, but Dorfel comes in and like grabs him. Mm-hmm. And the vampire... Uh, so Dorfel starts speaking mm-hmm. and they, they gave him a tongue, which everyone makes a big deal about. They can't talk. You're not supposed to give them a it's voice. It's supposed to be blasphemous. Right. And so uh, 
The vampire looked from the golem to Vimes. You gave one of them a voice, he said. Yes, said Dorfel. He reached down and picked up the vampire in one hand. I could kill you, he said. This is an option available to me as a free-thinking individual, but I will not do so because I own myself and I have made a moral choice. Oh, gods, <laughs> murmured Vimes under his breath. <laughs> That's blasphemy, said the vampire, which is like my single favorite line. That's blasphemy, said the vampire. Said the vampire. Uh So good. He gasped as Vimes shot him a glance like sunlight. That's what people say when the voiceless speak. Uh Oh, right in my heart. So good. I love it. I love it so much. There's, um, I'm going to do my quote now. Yeah, Um, sure. So when Angla and Carrot are talking about golems and how they work, um, uh, Vimes says, uh, you hear a lot of stories about them doing stupid things about making a thousand teapots or digging a hole five miles deep, said Vimes. Yes, but that's not exactly criminal activity, is it, sir? That's just ordinary rebellion. What do you mean rebellion? Dumbly obeying orders, sir? You know, someone shouts at you, go make teapots. So it does. Can't be blamed for following orders, sir. Nobody ever told them how many. No one wants them to think, so they go back, uh, so they get their own back by not thinking. They rebel by working. It's just a thought, sir. It'd make more sense if you're a golem, I expect. I think Fimes understands this perfectly yep. when you see the way he handles the patrician. Mm-hmm. When the patrician asks him certain questions and he answers them in a way. Yeah. Sir? Yes, exactly. He, Is that he, a yes, sir, or no, sir? He does exactly what's expected sir, of sir. him and no more. Mm-hmm. He, he knows. And I like all of that. And then near the end, um, Dorfel uh, debates some priests mm-hmm. on morality. That's, that's like the one other quote that I have. I swear we're not just reading the whole book. And this is the audiobook podcast. Yes, exactly. We will, we will read to you the entirety of, uh, of Feet, Feet of, of Clay, Clay because yep. it is a very good book. No, this is the last one. It just happens to be like all, all in a row. All because, crunched together. Yeah, because we're, we're talking about like the best parts of the book right now. Uh, so the, the priests are like basically got their pitchforks and, and torches out and they're like, you, I, this is an abomination. You can't have this. And, uh, he says, excuse me, we're not listening to you. You're not even really alive, said a priest. Dorfel nodded. This is fundamentally true, he said. See, he admits it. I suggest you take me and smash me and grind the bits into fragments and pound the fragments into powder and mill them again to the finest dust there can be. And I believe you will not find a single atom of life. True, let's do it. However, in order to test this fully, one of you must volunteer to undergo the same process. There was silence. That's not fair, said a priest after a while. All anyone has to do is bake up your dust again and you'll be alive. There was more silence. Ridcully said, is it only me or are we on tricky theological ground here? <laughs> Ridcully, by the way, the brother of, uh, yes. of Mustrum, not the same character. Yeah, that was all very good. But then he came up with this plot to free... Uh, all the other golems. All the other golems, which is quite clever. So I want to talk about the plot yes. first as part of the story, which is like... Yeah, and then, really, and then you had yeah. some stuff you were reading into it as well. Yeah, and it's like it's it's a real clever dick sort of way to unpick the yeah, knot. Use yeah, use all the tools that yeah. you established in story without cheating and say, this is how we fix this. So the only way a golem can be free is if they are given like their receipt. Yeah, exactly the way Dorfel was. Yeah. So Dorfel... And no one's going to do that with their $500 golems. No. Um, So Dorfel decides he's going to work for the watch and he asks Vimes to pay him more money than a regular watchman because he can work twice as long. And there's a a great bit near the beginning Mm -hmm. where, uh, and we'll talk about him more in a minute, We Mad Arthur uh, talks about how uh, the, the scale of economy 
in in Ankh-Morpork, mm-hmm. how he's like a, a he thinks he's a gnome. He's not, but that's what he thinks he is right now. He's a small. Yes. Yeah. And like a dollar can feed him for a month, mm-hmm. and so money is worth more to or worth less to him. Yeah. But so it's a nice play on that. So what then Vimes asks Dorful, what are you going to do with this money? Like you don't spend money. Mm-hmm. And Dorful says, well, he's going to labor and free the golem who is laboring at the candle shop. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to work together and free the golem that's um, working in Peach Pie Street. And mm-hmm. that's how they're going to um, have End up their, freeing all yeah. of them. Yes. Um, which in the book is a really sort of neat way to solve this problem. Yes. Um, and I like reading it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super clever. Mm-hmm. But when you start thinking about it a bit, um, humans did this thing. It's called indentured servitude. And mm-hmm. what happens is the people in power just find other ways to screw the people who are trying to work themselves out. So instead of, you know, you owe $600, you work for a week and you're free, mm-hmm. you owe $600, but you also owe interest on the $600. And uh, you owe, yeah. then you have to pay for your room and board and you have to pay eyeballs tax and breathing yeah, but, tax but and all that Dorfel kind of stuff. works for the watch and Vimes has his back. So there is that. Right. And I don't think that because Vimes is a good person, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen here. But the message that like sort of a civil way for people to rebel and free themselves is by hard work. Uh, See, I don't think he's talking about people. They are coded as robots the whole time. Yeah, but they're sentient robots. They are people. Okay, but in science fiction, that doesn't necessarily mean people. Yeah, but these guys are people. And the sentient they robots are. we the sentient robots we meet in science fiction tend to be people. Well, that's true. I don't know. It's It's... I just don't think it's a one-for-one for for actual human slavery is my point. No, but it was... The the messaging is a little, like, dicey. But again, I I I enjoyed it in in the story. I enjoyed it. I was like, aha, clever golems figuring out the system. Yeah. But... uh, I'll fight you on your own stupid capitalist terms. Yeah, but... The older and more tired I get, (laughs) the more I realize that you can't really fight on stupid capitalist terms because no, the I, bastards will always grind you down. I, I understand that, but I don't think, like, I don't know. I, I don't think that's what that means. It, I'm sure that's not what he intended. Right. But it is what he said. Oh, okay. Like, that's the... I think I think it's just how you choose to uh-huh. interpret it, and I choose to interpret it as it's a story about magic robots. Right. And it doesn't actually mean that. Sometimes it does mean that. Sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, I choose to believe that it doesn't. And like I say, in the story, very pleasing. Yeah. But when you sort of extrapolate. It's just like trolls and dwarfs represent the struggle of minorities, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily represent specific minority groups because that would get weird and problematic real quick. Well, there's actually some stuff later on where some of the stuff the dwarves do do mirror some yeah, real life stuff. Yeah, I think it's a little and problematic. It, it feels a little... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But when it's just there are different groups of yeah. people and some of them are experiencing problems because they're marginalized, as as allegory, it's good because you're not saying, oh, and the, the trolls are these people from this place. Mm-hmm. Like, no, please don't do please that. Please don't do that. When Star Trek did that, it was always bad too. No, please don't do that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, there's like, and, and I don't think you're wrong. I think it's just two, two different ways to interpret it. But I think, yeah, I, I don't know. Also, I don't want to think that 
there's anything wrong in there. So mm-hmm. I choose to interpret it the way that's safer because, you know, this is a great story. It's a super great story. There's another thing also that kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. We've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about um, real life police versus the watch before. And yeah. we don't necessarily need to get all the way back into that, even though I could talk about that for like just forever. That would be I think my you pod- could just sum yeah. it up by saying fuck the police. Yeah, well, yes, that. Um, but uh, in this near the end, um, Vetinari asks uh, Vimes uh, if he knows the phrase uh, who watches the watchers. Yes. And Vimes says, well, we watch each other. Like it was yeah. like completely obvious. Of course, we just watch each other. And in the context of the watch, that's really great because Vimes will keep everyone on the straight and narrow. And he's got Carrot watching him and Angua's watching Carrot and everyone's sort of like watching out for each other. Um, But that's also kind of what got us into this mess now is not having a lot of sort of civilian oversight over policing. So again, the messaging, good in the story, bad when you put it into real world terms. I think we should have this conversation again when we do thud because thud is a huge yes. meditation on all of that. Yep, it is. And we get some civilian oversight mm-hmm. and we get a whole exploration of Vimes's whole inner thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we have an incomplete part- piece of that puzzle and I think it's good to bring that up, but I think this will be covered and whether you feel it's satisfactory right. or not, we can talk about that. But I, I just think, want the people to know I'm, they're not getting away with it. I, they're not getting <laughs> away with it. Like it, but it will come up again and again, no, that whether right. you feel it's addressed properly or not is when we can talk about it then. But that whole book is about that's who what it's about. The yes, exactly. Yeah, and and not just the main plot. Mm-hmm. There's they also send a civilian oversight, mm-hmm. and which is one of my oh, I love that book so much. Yep, really good book. A little bit more than this one, but only a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that one a little bit less than this one because I love the golem so fucking much. Yeah, but there's some other things. Oh God, I love the golem so uh, much. The golems are great, and the nice oh. thing is. Now that we have this this uh, element mm-hmm. in the stories, they're around. Like yep. they won't be forgotten, like so many other things. No, they they come they're up again, the and they're a huge part of the Moist books. Yes, um, which is one of the reasons, probably one of the reasons I like the Moist books so much, is because there's so much golems. There. And and this doesn't really spoil anything plot wise. Yeah. There's like a golem, like a, a trust, like a yeah. They're doing what Dorfel set out to do. Only there's a whole organization to do it. Well, yeah, because they keep freeing each other. Yes, and once you get to like the hundredth golem, it's like, well, why don't we like unionize and make yeah. this a little easier, incorporate? And that's, you know, that gets, that gets nice. Really and they have good. a human advocate for yeah. them to, to help in some of the dicey things. This is a character I love! I confuse her with the other one who oh, was identical Oh, how could you possibly? They're the same um. character. Uh, so there's, there's some smaller things I wanted to talk about yep. too. Like we've talked about kind of the big major themes yep. and all that, but there's, there's a lot of little things I, like we met Arthur, for instance. Oh yeah. We met Arthur. He comes up more later on. He's another one who yes. joins on to the watch. Yeah. He's conscripted here. Like yep. he's, he's, he's briefly deputized because Colin needs some help. Actually, your bad thing is some of their scenes. Oh, actually it's not. That oh, you was changed my, it? That was my bad thing. Okay. Um, Oh God! Everything I got, everything I've got to talk about today is a little heavy. Sorry, guys. Um, there. <laughs> Maybe I should turn it back to the other one. Um, we have in this book the um, the League for Equal Heights uh, is introduced. I don't mm-hmm. remember if they were in a previous book. But, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so we've got this, and then later on we'll get some um, like uh, and like some pro undead. Mm-hmm. groups and all this kind of stuff and 
this is something that always sort of rang a little hollow straw manny to me. Like, I understand that there's, like, health and safety gone wa- gone mad uh, in, in British stuff where you've got, like, people who are worried about things that maybe they don't need to worry about. Um, and that we have that with the uh, Equal Heights League here where um, a bunch of humans want to make sure that dwarves are treated fairly. Mm -hmm. But the way they go about doing that is by, like, making sure that people don't say, uh, I don't know, being cut short or whatever, uh, because that language might be offensive to dwarves. And it's kind of of cheap shots at people who are trying to, like, Mm, do good. Disagree Mm. wholeheartedly, actually, because I think what he's going after are those quote-unquote well-meaning white ladies yeah. who are looking out for other people and don't give a fuck about them. Yeah. <laughs> too real. Too real. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there, There's a target there that, that needs to be, like, not needs to be, but a, tar- a deserving target there. I don't think he's, pun- like, I think he's punching up there. I don't know. Like, What he has to say about allyship, I don't think is especially like helpful, and I sort of feel like they he is sort of building a straw man with these characters. And I've it's I think it's probably because I've seen a bunch of other British satire that does the same thing. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. common thing. It's yeah. because their their like political system, like everything, yeah. gets really fragmented, and mm-hmm. you have a you Splitters. have a group, and then they split, yeah. and then they split, and they split, and so on. But I don't know. You get this in in social movements. You get people who start sort of trumpeting the slogans but yeah. just to look good and they're not really doing anything and that's valid whereas i think somebody like vimes who kind of still hates them all but mm-hmm. is employing them and sees them as equal even though he doesn't like them is a much more realistic ally than someone who's out there yelling but not actually doing any good is how i see it yeah i can see that i just like i say it it felt kind of cheap shoddy and it also felt like something that I'd seen in a lot of other stuff. It wasn't very funny on top no, of that. No, it's not particularly funny. Yeah. I think it's just meant to be... There's a lot of building like what the watch is like mm-hmm. now and what they have to deal with now. And a lot of it is political. And I think it was just one more detail of the crap. Vi- like now mm-hmm. Vimes has to, in addition to like processing mm-hmm. this and that and hiring an alchemist now, he's also got to like deal with these people who are complaining about nothing. And there was a pretty good bit, I thought, mm-hmm. with a dude appropriating dwarf culture who called himself strong in the arm and like wore a helmet and all this stuff and had he was not a dwarf. He's basically just like, Yeah, I'm I'm Hello, one of dwarf. you. Hello, fellow dwarfs. And like not like Carrot where he was raised with them. But Well, Carrot says that there are certain mm, like rituals and like uh, ceremonies you're performing, yeah. that's what makes you a dwarf. Yeah. Everything else doesn't matter. Yeah. And the implication is certainly that this guy isn't like a no, part of all of that. No, it's taken a shot at cultural yeah. appropriation, and I like that because there are people like that too. There are people like, oh, it's okay to be one of them now. It's cool to be one of them no, now. No, no. I am one of them now. No, no, oh, no. Please don't. Please stop. Please don't. But, I mean, you know, that, yeah. that was some pretty good social satire, I thought. And the dwarfs fucking hate the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. I, I like that they're portrayed as sympathetic and and people like him and people like the 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 equal heights thing are just like they're the jokes, but it's never at the expense of the actual group. You know what I mean? That's what makes it okay to me. Yeah, like I say, I just didn't think it was 
It was not especially funny, but it, it also wasn't very much of the book. No, it wasn't. But anyway, they, they come, they come up, like they come up again. This is something do. that comes up in most of the watch books. They but do. I also have sort of a like a, a chip on my shoulder about police saying, "Oh, well, these guys don't know what's up." Yeah, but they're not the police again. They're guys. not the police. This uh. is a fantasy police who are good. You have to buy that to buy into the rest of this. If you if you take your real and valid like. Uh, you know, bias against actual police. You're going to hate these books. I don't hate these books, though. I know. But these are things that I think about when I read them. I understand. But I think you have to buy into it. Think about them all the time. For always what it thinking. Is. Never I, stop thinking. Always be worried yeah, about it. I, okay. But not to the point where you're ruining good stories. Yes. Even to that point. Past that point. Well, then you're wrong. You're objectively <laughs> wrong. And Listen. Sam Vimes is a great damn character. <laughs> he is... Seriously, no kidding. When you say the phrase social justice warrior, first thing that comes to my head. Think of Sam Vimes? Yes. He's just so... Ah, There's bits at the beginning where he's he's trying real hard to, to hold on to his roots mm-hmm. and to not look down at people. He's, he's a, like, you know, he's Sir Sam Vimes now, but mm-hmm. he's like... He's got a sedan chair carried by a servant, and he's like, fuck that. You get in the chair. Also, I'll carry it. Vetinari bought it as a wedding present for him to screw with him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then and then Vimes drove it himself. Mm-hmm. Fine. Okay. I'll drive myself today. There's this subtle game back and forth between them that goes through all the rest of the mm-hmm. books that I love so much. And there, there's also a point, it's a little sad, where he tries to sit down and uh, uh, play cards mm-hmm. with the servants, and they just like lock up, like, "What is he Please doing leave. here?" Yeah, we can't. You can't have fun when your boss is around. And also, he picks up on this very quickly. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, right. I guess I'm ruining it. I, guess I should I leave." Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I'm not one of them anymore. And there's there's some good and there's some good meditations on that in the later books as well. Mm-hmm. Just like as he as he realizes, because well, oh, he's a class traitor. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. he knows he is, yeah. and he hates himself yeah. for it. He always, he, he never loses He loves loses Sybil, Sybil, but he hates being a class traitor. Yes. And he loves having the power to help. But huh? some of that, you know, some of what comes with that is terrible. Anyway, we were talking about We Met Arthur and we got way off topic. Oh, yeah. With my bad thing. Yes. Um, But yeah, so he is, a, we, at this point, he believes he's a gnome. Yes. Um, And like you talked about earlier, he's quite, he's physically quite small. And so you talked about the the economics of that so a yes. dollar will buy him a loaf of bread and a loaf of bread will last him for a week yeah um whereas uh, someone else would um, yeah a loaf of bread right? would be a meal yeah and yeah uh, he's 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 scrappy mm-hmm. and uh, right now he's a rat catcher mm-hmm. or just an exterminator in general and, yeah and he does rat catching um and then he takes the rats and sells them to the dwarves because the dwarves eat rats right um and so he gets them like the good rats that have been fed yeah. on good food and stuff yeah and and i like all that and there are some bits between him and Colin who that are pretty good. That was your original bad thing, so I guess you didn't like it. Yeah, there's some stuff in there I liked, but it was too long. Yeah, it was uh, a little long. There I don't, was, was a the... lot of there was a lot of like this was the only time in the book that I felt a little like, oh, comedy. No, I disagree. I it was it was an action sequence, so it went on for a bit because like he was tied up and then he escaped and mm-hmm. then he ran and then Bull was chasing him and like there was, you know, there wasn't a lot of physical action in most of the rest of the uh-huh. books. So I feel like that was, that's why that was there. Nah, and, I didn't care for it. And splitting him and Nobby up was a good thing mm-hmm. to at least try it once. Yep. Like they exist to be sort of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but every now and then it's good to give them solo adventures. And, you know, I liked all that. I, there wasn't much to it, but there wasn't much to him. Like, he's not much of a character. And his whole thing, like every cop cliche, is he's about to retire and they're going to go get a farm. Yep. And after 
Dorf will freeze all the animals and, and um, uh, colons swum around in their shit for mm-hmm. hours and hours. It's like, you know what? Maybe not. No, maybe nature is terrible and I'm going to stay here. Thank uh-huh. you. And I kind of like all that. But we met Arthur's a fun character. He's he's like like yeah. you said, really scrappy. He's a fighter and yeah, he's and like, and uh, Colin like uh, like I say conscripts him kind also of also to totally help him. terrified of him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like six inches high yeah. and he could totally like kick his ass, which is is very good. And he later on becomes uh, yeah, a permanent watch, yeah. which is quite nice. Uh, what else? That's that's most of what I got. Um. There is some bits with the guild leaders oh, yeah. um, who we've who we've met before. Um, we've got Queen Mary, um, who yeah, is of the beggars the, the, of the beggars, mm-hmm. and when she finds out what all of That's the other Molly, actually. oh Molly, yeah, yes. um, when she finds out what the other guild leaders are going to do, she warns Vimes mm-hmm. so that he will put a stop to it, right? Which is pretty good. But you had something about uh, well, Mrs. Was, Palm. Yeah, it was unfortunate because they're all scheming, like they always are. Mm-hmm. Like the you know, and it's the it's the shady men in a smoky room yep. cliche, which is fine. He yep. he repurposes a lot of those cliches very well. But Mrs. Palm, who is the you know the head of the seamstresses, mm-hmm. and always portrayed as a very savvy woman mm-hmm. and like friends with Granny Weatherwax and, and all of this. And we get to know and, her quite a bit better in one of the later books. We do. And I like her. Mm-hmm. And it's disappointing to me that she's one of these evil scheming, like there's a lot of guilds. Mm-hmm. Did she have to be one of the ones that was like, you know, trying to overthrow Vetinari and put Nobby on a throne? And it felt like the other ones are, because she's smarter than those ones. You'd yeah, think that usually. if she was doing it, she would have a better reason, but they just sort of talk her around to it. Like, oh, it would be, I guess yeah. that does sound nice. Yeah, and that's but it. it's, ugh, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know much about her at this stage. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have Redhead, obviously, but uh, I feel like this, this isn't super consistent. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not even that so much as it just disappointed me. It's like, oh, I thought better. Your bad thing is uh, you didn't like something a character did. Yeah, and it's I didn't think even even was that out of character. It, I just thought, oh, <laughs> I better than that. I'm just I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, that was per- oh, uh, this is um, Vimes has his organizer in this. Oh yes, this yeah. is a, this this turns out to be a runner. Uh, be, like like the cameras, mm-hmm. uh, his his organizer, which is very clearly Terry Pratchett. We're into the '90s mm-hmm. now. He's probably got a Palm Pilot, or a, or an Apple Newton, or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's it's eat but, up, Martha. Yes, it's run. Why did you say Martha? <laughs> but it, like the cameras, it's run by a tiny imp yeah. inside, and Vimes hates this thing. Mm-hmm. He likes having a notepad and a pencil. Yes, and there's one of the things just that i like about him mm-hmm. i don't i'm not not one of the things that i i am similar to like i like my devices mm-hmm. but um every time this thing like bingly 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 beep and he's like oh what you had it as your was it your like mail tone or your, yeah your i would text my, my you've got mail oh. so- sound was that for you like nigel planer doing that mm-hmm. for years just because i love that little sound and you were saying when you were isolating it you it was hard to find one that didn't have vimes immediately after going Ugh! yeah no it, it wasn't like it didn't ruin the the, yeah. the thing because it was one reader so it's not like he's reading over himself mm-hmm. or anything but yeah every single one of them was followed by him going oh god's it was just very good. He hates that thing mm-hmm. so much. Sybil gave it to him. He can't get rid of it. Yep. He, and, and every once in a while, he makes a half-hearted attempt to use it, but he well, never there's... learns how to work it. Mm, he doesn't thud. 
Yeah. This is another thing I like about that book. <laughs> There's actually a very good thing with him in uh, Jingo as mm-hmm. well, but that's that's another another book for another time. Uh, what else? Um. Oh, the um one last. So two last things, talking okay. about the Golans again, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, after uh, Father Tubalcheck, the guy, the priest who is helping them mm-hmm. is killed, they roll up some oh, words so sad. and put it in his lips, and he turns to them and says, we don't work this way. Yeah. Oh. He's like, oh, the life is going out of him. Here, here, here are some here's, words. Here's some life. Oh, that's so sad. And finally um the golems have an argument once they find out that their king is killing people mm-hmm. and angua comes upon it and it is writing in huge letters on a wall because mm-hmm. none of them none of them can speak right and so that's how the argument looks is like big huge letters and mm-hmm. and oh, I, I thought that was really good yeah that was yeah good. man i love the golems so much yeah Ugh. the thing is i like the golems pretty well but the reasons i like this book have almost nothing to do with the mm-hmm. golems it's, this has two things I love. All Vimes' anti-king stuff yeah. and the golems. It's Like I say, Vimes, there's a bit in the Superman animated series, the good one, the, mm-hmm. the Bruce Timm one, mm-hmm. um, where uh, a cop that he, he knows and liked died. Uh, the, the cop was modeled after Jack Kirby, I think, and there's this whole thing. I don't right. care about any of that. But um, uh, And Darkseid shows up and, and Superman just lets loose on him. He's like, what, what, what are you, like, why are you so angry? He's like, you killed a good man today. I killed a human? Who gives a fuck about a human? Yeah. And Superman just lays into mm-hmm. him. And it just reminded me of that. It just, like, a hero, a, a real hero cares about the, the small people that the villain just doesn't even uh-huh. see. And Vimes is that kind of a hero, and I love him so much. All right. Uh, so what do we got for a puner play on words? Oh, yes. So... Uh- <laughs> This one I just had, looked down and reminded myself. This one has like a lot of good puns or plays on words yes. because um, the uh, heraldry is mm-hmm. a lot of little jokes in the heraldry. And it seems to be Terry Pratchett grinding axes mm-hmm. with people who do crosswords mm-hmm. and like people who are into really little clever things. Mm-hmm. And Vimes hates it because mm-hmm. they'll he'll get it and be like, oh, I bet that just had you guys slapping your knees. Uh-huh. Um, and so one of the, um, the heraldic crests that's being made is for a baker uh-huh. and it's, um, a, like in, in like, uh, their version of Latin. Yeah. Um, it says, because the motto is because I need the dough, uh-huh. need with a K. Yes. <laughs> Very terrible. Oh, there was some good stuff with the with the heralds. Yeah, there was. Yeah. And they have all the animals that mm-hmm. you would draw on a coat of arms live mm-hmm. kept in like this garden, two hippos and all these birds and And it may and they make them like get up like on their hind uh-huh. feet because the only way you can paint it is You can't do it from memory. Work. You gotta and Vimes asks them, Well, can't you just imagine it uh-huh. or do it from books or something and it's the uh-huh. same thing with the clowns and the noses where they're like what are you talking about yeah, we don't even, understand what that is what, you, what you're saying right makes sense yep in a life context yep um so what grade did you give it i gave it a time sure i had a good time All it was right. an a it okay. was really good i enjoyed this i actually gave this one an a plus mm-hmm. like there are mm-hmm. tiny tiny things wrong with it but when you factor them out this would get like a 99 percent. so good this is one of the 
best might ones. be like one of my like my yeah. top three top five something yeah. like that we'll see really, like there's really one watch book i like better we'll see yeah. we'll see at the end i think we should sort of round up and yeah, say these are list. your best ones this yeah. is a really really good one though yeah it is it's all the stuff i love yeah. about the watch books and and terry patch is at the top of his game mm-hmm. now like all the all the weaker stuff from the old from the earlier books is gone all the stuff that makes the later books great is here but he's still funny like in the in the very last ones they're still good but they get a bit serious so uh, as we get later on in the series they aren't as funny that's what i'm um, saying here he's still funny yep. but he's also doing some good social stuff it's a mix of both mm-hmm. and it's just the like peak it's not like it gets worse it's just all the elements working together perfectly so good i love this yeah. book very much all right so for our cliche count You'll- uh, very very low on most of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing happened to other people, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Uh, no susurrations. There's only one quantum, and that mm-hmm. was a mention of a quantum weather butterfly, so that barely even counts. Uh, there were three surreptitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big one here, though, gingerly. Oh, man. There were seven uses of the word gingerly in this book. It just kept happening. I figured we were we had our gingerly count like completed, but we did not. We sometimes listen to the audiobook mm-hmm. on the short commute to your work, mm-hmm. about 20 minutes in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we heard two of them mm-hmm. in 20 minutes, which is maybe 10 pages of book. So many gingerly. That's a, that, that's too many. Find a new adjective, Sir Terry. Please say daintily. Yes, something, anything. Lightly. Yes. Carefully. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's all for this time. Uh, next time, we will have one of the rare times we will have a guest. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, we are doing Hogfather, which uh, deals with the um, uh, Discworld analog for Christmas. I remember really, really liking this one. And I I'm not, I don't Christmas, like Christmas so. at all, but yeah. I remember really liking this book. I do not love it, but we will see maybe if I change my mind. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those death and susan mm-hmm. books it's it's it deals with some of the stuff that soul music does it's definitely better than soul music it's up to this point it'll be the best of that type of book i think yes um but we will be inviting our friend brian the mayor of christmas host of the tinseltown podcast to join us there that seems like been a on natural, his show yeah seems like a natural crossover uh-huh. so uh check that out but uh that's all for this time this has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019 and 2020. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com Algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.